All right, I do have a total figure on what Peacock gave to the NFL to broadcast one NFL playoff game. I looked it up. So Peacock decided that we would like to give you, NFL, for the right for one NFL game, we'll give you $110 million <laughs> to throw this on a behind a paywall for you to, uh, you know, add to your your bounty that you've collected here. <laughs> Holy cow. $110 million for one game. One game. Yeah. NFL who made $18 billion in revenue in 2022. <laughs> now feels like, hey, you know what we should do? We should try to squeeze some fans out of an extra $6, at least for one month, and uh, open up the coffers there for peacock who i didn't, didn't know it. get cowboys packers and they didn't get cowboys <laughs> packers at all no you got taylor swift and the chiefs instead peacock is closing out 2023 with good news the comcast owned stream service has reached 30 million paid subscribers so um but the platform did see 2.8 billion in losses this year they have 30 million subscribers and still lost 2.8 billion dollars so i guess all the money that they can get yeah will, uh, will help Sure, but $110 million. All right, at 429, before we get to a snack coming up here in just a bit, Colby, you've asked a question today. And that question I thought that we would carry over for this segment. Can Washington actually stop Michigan? And stop is probably the wrong word to use here, but can Washington be effective enough defensively to keep themselves in this game with the Wolverines. The Wolverines are third nationally in red zone scoring touchdowns with 31. They've scored touchdowns on 45 of their 61 red zone trips. Washington has made 71 red zone trips and rushed for 27 touchdowns once they're there while scoring 48 red zone touchdowns as well. So that's a red zone percentage of almost 74% for Michigan and 67% for the Huskies. Texas, by the way, was at 50%, and Alabama was just a smidge over 69%. That's a nice number there for Alabama. But in your opinion, does Washington have enough with how they are built defensively to be able to stop Michigan in what they want to do, which is run the football? I don't think so. I, I think, you know, this is going to be – this is going to be a tough game for them unless they're able to dictate, I think, Michigan's play calling by, you know, what they do offensively. But, you know, this is a Michigan attack that, unlike Texas, is going to be very patient with the run game, right? I mean, we've seen them stick by it for four quarters regardless of whether they're having any success with it or not. And, you know, the Texas, I thought, ran the ball really well but got away from it quite a bit last week, especially in early down situations. And that's not going to be Michigan. So, you know, my question is, do they, do they stack the box, right? Do they force Michigan to get away from that, especially in early downs? Because I just straight up, I can't see where Washington is going to have consistent success slowing down the Michigan rushing attack. Because I think most people looked at what happened with Washington against Texas in the run game and go, uh-oh, you know, are they about to get absolutely dominated uh, from that front? Now, I will say that, you know, Texas as well in there with 
what happened um, in some of the turnovers that they had. I mean, they rushed for almost seven yards per carry on this. But, I mean, it has to be of some concern here for Washington that if Texas was able to do that, that Michigan would be able to do the same thing. But I'm, I do think, though, that, that Washington's defense, I, not a complete bad rap, but I don't think they're necessarily as as bad as what some people think that they are. I do I think that, that this is a bad – this tends to be a bad matchup for them up front. But I am also intrigued with just how they are built, that they also create a lot of eight-man fronts with what they do. And Michigan is – the thing about Michigan is Michigan never gets out over their skis, correct? Michigan right. is more than happy to sit there and just do steady gains – until they've worked their way and try to bully themselves into the red zone, which I just gave you the stats for a reason, because they're incredibly efficient inside the red zone. They're third nationally in red zone rushing touchdowns with 31, and they've scored on 45 of their 61 red zone trips. So I, Washington, I think, from a style-wise, has enough to try to combat it, but Michigan is never going to get away from who they are or what has gotten them there. And some teams like Texas, have shown the ability that they can't wait to get away from what works best for them. That's Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And now, and, and again, if Washington's able to get a lead and maybe extend it and, and then sort of force Michigan out of its comfort zone and not allow them to play with that level of patience in the run game, that's a game changer, right? I mean, th- the best part of the Washington defense is is the two edge rushers. I mean, that's, that's the strength of their defense. That's the best part of their defense. So if you're able to make Michigan drop back and throw the football, then you allow the strength of your defense to come into play. Um, you know, I don't know how much of that comes into play if Michigan's able to uh, control the clock and, and, you know, control the scoreboard to a degree. And, yeah, first down is going to be critical in this game for, for the Washington defense, right? And, again, I, I think this could become a really ugly game if, if you're able to – to get Michigan out of its comfort zone and bring the strength of the Washington defense into play. But watching Washington all year long, they're gettable in the run. And there were a lot of teams that had success running the football against them and, you know, maybe just aren't as dedicated to the run as Michigan is. That's who Michigan is, right? Yes. That's all they, I mean, if, if it were up to them, they might not throw a pass the entire game. So there are teams that have run the ball successfully against Washington, but also have good passing attacks and mix it up a lot. Michigan is is going to stay committed to the run game if you know if the scoreboard allows it whether they're having success or not and that can be very dangerous I think to to the Washington defense and maybe expose it just from that angle uh to a much higher level. But I I think overall to your point, the Washington defense is a better group overall than than they're getting credit for and I think especially against the pass you know, if, if they're able to get in a situation to force Michigan into into throwing the ball more than they would like to, I think that's yeah. uh, that's where the Washington defense is, is really good. Because to me, the big telltale sign tonight is going to be what happens between the 20s with Washington's defense and Michigan's offense. You know, if Washington can find a way, find a way for just not consistently, but every now and then make a play where you knock Michigan off schedule just a little bit with what they're comfortable with to get them out. Let's say it's a, you know, they, if penalties aren't playing a key role tonight, if Washington can find a way to get some TFLs, 
and say let's it's a second and 13, right? Uh, which turns into uh, third and long at that moment. You kind of get Michigan off schedule just a little bit. Is their passing game good enough to consistently win? And well, I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that. That's where that's where Washington would have a leg up to me because it's not like that. Agreed. We're sitting here and talking about Michigan having the dominant outside receivers, you know, that other teams have had at all. That's just not that's just not their style. If Washington can win a few battles in between the 20s tonight and also play at their offensive pace, I, I think they have a legitimate chance tonight. I can legitimately see realistic scenarios for both teams to win this game. And, I mean, I mentioned on Friday, I've talked myself in and out of both sides of this multiple times over the last week, which is, I think, the sign of a great matchup, right? When when you can flip-flop and, and you can talk yourself into one side and then you can start to maybe see the counterpoint and you can go back and forth. I mean, those are the games that I think are the most exciting to watch and, and you know, let it all unfold. But when you're having to, to create unreasonable type of, of I think, uh, storylines for how a game could go a certain way, you know, that's when it's, it, it, to me, it's, it's not as exciting as just genuinely feeling like, okay, this is the, the way I'm leaning, and then you, you immediately have doubt because this other element from the other side crawls in. And, yeah, I, I, these are really good football teams, and I, I think that the, the start of this game is very important, who's able to maybe control the, the pace of this game out of the gate. But both teams could win this, and, and I, I don't know that anything tonight could, could ultimately shock me. Well, I think we can, we can all agree on one thing, is that what – Washington does better is protect right against than than what Alabama did, 100%. and and Alabama's receivers. This is not the heyday of Nick Saban and the up tempo. We're gonna drop bombs on fools. Alabama style of offense. I mean the receivers like Michigan has a really good defensive backfield. They I mean they they they're great. But this is also going to be their bet, their biggest test by far of the year as well outside of Ohio State. And Washington has a much better collection of wide receivers than anyone else in the country. So it's going to be a challenge for them, too. I think Washington is well equipped to deal with a lot of the things that worked well for Michigan against Alabama. And I hate being as, as simplistic sometimes as basically saying this game, not only between the 20s, could essentially come down to is, is this really more of who's more productive on the scoreboard, Washington's pass game or Michigan's run game? Does it come down to something as, as basic as that? Yeah, I just think the, you know, the ability to control the game, we saw Washington do that against Texas you know, until the very end last week, and that's ideally what Michigan would like to do, right? I mean, we talked about it with the Texas-Washington matchup even. You want to keep that, that explosive offense on the sideline, and if Michigan's running the football successfully, which is what they want to do anyway, the, the double-edged sword of that is you're also keeping Penix and those pass catchers on the sidelines. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, with Michigan and the defense, I, I wonder how much pressure they bring because, like you said, that, I think that offensive line is much better than Alabama's was. I don't think you're just going to naturally generate the same type of pressure that you did a week ago. Um, and, and the other aspect of this is you have a 24-year-old quarterback who's going to digest the information much better yeah. than Jalen Milrow, who's not a pocket-passing quarterback anyway, plus he's a first-year starter. Like, 
this is going to be worlds different just in terms of what the quarterback is seeing and reacting to than than what you had a week ago. But also the offensive line, I don't think is going to give up the the just natural pressure that Alabama did. So how much how much added pressure do you bring? Not even to get home, but just to speed up the process of Penix getting the ball out because. Unlike Texas, I think your secondary is much better where you feel like you have a fighting chance in, in that matchup, right? A week ago, if you didn't get any pressure, the, second, the Texas secondary wasn't going to stop those Washington pass catchers. It's at least, in, in some aspects, a coin flip uh, in that regard. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think you want to probably force the ball out quick and, and give your guys an opportunity to make plays on the ball and... I, I can't wait, man. This is it's so intriguing from so many different aspects. Isn't it crazy to look up and see that Jabbar Muhammad's like one of the most important players on the field tonight, especially with what Washington if they have to, you know, kind of give way a little bit to the to the run game, but in those big moments where you may not be able to completely shut down the Michigan run game, but your your best option is to try to completely obliterate what Michigan's doing, passing the football. And Muhammad, the way they use him, like I saw it quoted uh, earlier this week in a breakdown, which which I agree with, which is, look, Washington's never going to be just good enough to, to go match up with you and shut you down across the board. They have to mix things up and scheme ways in order for the to give themselves a chance. Oh, and by the way, they're pretty good at creating turnovers. They've created turnovers the entire year. Ask Texas about that. That's right. Um, and if they can do that tonight, it might just be enough. But again, it's one of the fascinating elements of of a matchup that might be one of the better matchup wise that we've had since the Alabama Clemson matchup from a few years ago. Jabbar Muhammad has been one of their best defensive oh, players awesome. all year. Yeah. It's not even just been like a, a couple of big moments. It's been all year. He's they've moved him around, uh, and he is he has made the most of that opportunity without a doubt. I think he's the best player in their secondary, uh, and and obviously the versatility that he's shown has been incredibly valuable to them as well. But you know, again, I I don't know how much Michigan is going to put the ball in the air, or you know how much we'll even see of Jabbar Muhammad tonight potentially but yeah there's no question if the game gets to that phase he's been he's been outstanding I mean that of all the guys that Oklahoma State lost last year that's the one guy that I think without question you can look at as as not only uh, his new team hitting a home run with him but him you know turning that opportunity into uh, something that that none of us foresaw I saw maybe it was Cody Nagel that posted this. It was all the guys that Oklahoma State had lost last year and what their uh, number of snaps with their new team was. And I I don't know what I did with it, but I know that that Cody had it. But it was it was shocking to see like the difference between like Ben Kapinski and the number of opportunities that he had with Oklahoma State compared to Tulsa. I mean, dude, he went from like 140-something snaps to 700 right, with right. Tulsa. And Muhammad, the difference was something like, I don't know, 30 snaps. I mean, it was almost <laughs> identical across the board with yeah. the usage rate yeah. that, that he had with Washington compared to Oklahoma State. Except oh. he's playing on a national title contender in a conference that had the best passing attacks in the country, right? Yes. I mean, on a weekly basis. The Pac-12 this year was loaded at the quarterback position and had some of the best passing offenses in the country. And he was tested all year long, and the guy was just outstanding week in, week out. Yeah, here it is right now. Uh, So, yeah, I brought it up. Ben Kapinski, 
2022 had 178 snaps. He had 709 with Tulsa this year. Uh, Kanai and Williams had 21 snaps with Oklahoma State and had 361 with Tulsa. Uh, and even as as for as little as what Braylon Presley or usage rate that most people thought that he had with Tulsa, he goes from 49 snaps in 2022 with OSU to 192 with Tulsa this year. But yeah, here's the here's the Muhammad. So 832 total snaps in 2022 to 886 for Washington this year. So he actually got 54 more snaps yeah, in at Washington this year than Oklahoma State. Wow. All right. That's we'll take cool. a time out. To, I, I will say, as far as him in tonight's game, there will probably be some situations where he's got a tackle, right, on the perimeter. Uh, so that, that would maybe be the thing to look out for him with the most. And then the big sigh of relief from when he got banged up in the in yeah. the Texas game where yeah. everyone's like, uh-oh, can't afford to lose that guy. All right, let's take a timeout. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studios here on the Blitz 1170. Hey, if you would like to uh, jump in to the conversations, you can always text us the Neuropathy Treatment Clinic of Oklahoma. Text line 918-262-5072. That's 918-262-5072 on the uh, – on the early portion of uh, the show earlier today, we were uh, discussing a number of topics. You can feel like that you can jump in on anything that you want at any time during the day. We'll take a time out. The snack is coming up next before a 5 o'clock hour that features John Holcomb and Dusty Dvorak here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app.